Hi, welcome to the New Schools. Catherine Fraze is one of our most often recommended guests, and for good reason. A mother of two, she has three Montessori certifications. She was a teacher in traditional schools, then became a homeschooler, and she works with teens and teams of adults as the founder of multiple successful educational spaces, both physical and virtual. Her latest is an online educational platform for teens called WorkspaceSky.org, and it opens September 7th. Kath has dedicated her life to getting learners of all ages engaged. This conversation is about self-agency, competence, and confidence in education. Learn about lily pads, destination imagination, and what Montessori has to do with high schoolers. How can we nurture communities, share spaces, and schooling with our neighbors? What works in online education, and what's better left to your own backyard? And now, your friend and mine, Shannon Falkenstein, founder of Acton Academy El Salvador, speaking with Kath Fraze. just <laughs> so let's just like kick it off just give me like what give me your life story kind of in brief and then like go and then I want to hear about like 100 roads and workspace education which was so cool and then like what you're doing now and why you change okay. location so drastically yeah well that it's there's a lot to cover um <laughs> but basically I, I, you know I was one of those teenagers I had a little I guess a little ADHD um, and I was very socially motivated and I, you know, I was in a public school and the teachers just weren't really into it. Like, and we did so much busy work and I, I sort of realized that it was a bit of a game and, um, got a bit disenchanted, um, with school. And I thought, well, you know, it needs to be better. Cause I feel like I have a lot of potential, but I'm not, I'm going through the motions here and I, not, it wasn't being drawn out of me, if you know what I mean. Um, I and I thought, I remember, I remember this moment when I was 12 and I'm like, okay, I'm an adult. Like I'm a, you know, <laughs> I'm a person with agency. I remember feeling that. And, um, and I'm looking at all these adults around me in the school and they're just going through the motions, teaching the same old stuff. And it was just very busy, a lot of busy work. So um, long story short, I went into education because I wanted to reform it and change it. Um, but, you know, after becoming a teacher, I, I didn't feel like, a, I mean, I feel like I was in a system and I'm so stuck in that system so that I wouldn't be able to change it from the inside. So then I went into the whole alter, alternative school um, orientation. And I had a professor at university also who was really into Krishnamurti. Um, and he, he was all about conditioning and really sort of, that the inside of you <laughs> and how you're thinking, how your mind is thinking. And, um, and I thought, okay, um, I need to do a really a deep dive into all the different kinds of educational models because in teacher's college, you're not taught all of these different models. So then I went into Waldorf and into Montessori and ended up doing three Montessori certifications. Um, and then I had my children in Montessori school and they weren't thriving or at their, you know, really, I wasn't, it wasn't unlocking their potential. They were getting really good work habits and they were becoming more independent. 
independent and they were self-choosing and all those sort of things. But um, I just, I, I felt like there was something missing. So I pulled them out of Montessori school and I started doing project-based homeschooling. And I started doing all these different experiments in education. And I saw that they really grew when they were out in the world, like when they were challenged to find something that they really loved they really cared about and they wanted, they needed to share it with other people. So they had to go and find a way to apply that thing that they really loved out into the community. And for my son, that was Minecraft. And he set up this whole server in the local library and then joined all these libraries. And he had a, this giant Minecraft club. This is, he's now 18. So that was a while ago when he was nine. Um, and my daughter, she really loved dogs and she started an animal rescue um, and she ended up importing dogs from Georgia and, and spending, you know, a day, a week at a vet's office. And she had a whole network of foster families. And, um, you know, it was just this amazing, I mean, her agency just like skyrocketed and her confidence in being able to do something really skyrocketed. So, you know, um, the, other, the other thing I discovered in that journey is like kids, they can do a big deep dive into something and then overnight they can change direction and then want to do something completely <laughs> different, right? But the tools that they get on each of these zigzags are the, like, uh, it's like their little toolkit <laughs> for learning. They can use it no matter what they're doing with, you know, whatever passion they are following at the time. So it's like a meta, from- meta skill and then they can yeah. take that skill to any anything they were curious about. Would you say? Yeah, and they're building, they're building competence in learning, right, but also confidence that they can learn anything. And I found that she just kept on getting confidence and she, she decided, okay, I'm going to write a novel. So she published her first book when she was 15. Um, she wanted to be on Broadway and she spent one day a week in Manhattan, um, Broadway Artist Alliance, and then she wanted to go and make a difference and teach improv to kids in the tri-state area in Manhattan. She went to Madagascar and put Wi-Fi in this like improv uh, center in Madagascar. Uh, just like she she did really, really awesome things in her teen years. Um, and she just has this, you know, this belief that she can do anything that she can put her mind to. Uh, and I, I felt like that was that was what was missing. Um, I noticed that in in homeschooling, when I tried to make her do something in particular, like, you know, you really need to write a five paragraph essay, right? Like her her (laughs) energy would drain from her and it would be like pushing a giant boulder uphill. And anytime I let her really work out what she was going to do or deep dive into something, her energy was seemed to be limitless. In fact, it seemed to give her energy and I kind of realized that we, we have finite energy as humans. So uh, what we should be really looking for is engagement. And if they're always engaged doing stuff that they really care about, what they like to do, they are going to learn much more than, you know, if they stay on my <laughs> on the track that I designed for them. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I also found that because she wanted to keep up with her peers, she wanted to do APs and she wanted to do all these things so she ended up doing eight APs in her last year in a college of high school in a college um yeah and so I, I just felt but, like sorry like like she military. she did like like a, in a community college or or something or she enrolled in a college a state college while she was yeah. finishing high school and did her APs there yeah. 
Ah, okay. Well, no, she did that. She started pre preparing for APs at about 13. And so by the time she'd finished her high school year, she'd done about eight of them. Um, and in her last year of um, college, she, you know, she's like, well, I really should do calculus. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe she can transition into, like, it would be a good experience for her. Like, she's now driving, so, so she can drive to the local university and do these classes. And she had done, you know, she'd done testing. She'd done her um, ACT and she had, um, she got really, um, you know, pr pretty good scores. So they just said she could do any class she wanted, like third year. She wanted to do writing for the judicial system. And, <laughs> you know, like things which I would never have found interesting, I have to say, but that's what she wanted to do. And and um, and she got into college and she's, she's now about to publish her third book. Um, and she's living in Boston and hanging out with an engineer and, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah, really happy. She was president of the debate um, club or I guess it's, yeah, I guess they call it a club at Tufts University. So, I mean, she's holding her own. Definitely. <laughs> um, wow. So I just felt like school, school would have held her back a little bit. That's all. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was going to, make her education better and did you were you also working in a in a job job on the side of of engaging your children in project-based homeschooling or were you 100 percent dedicated to that with them yeah i was i was one of those mums that was kind of like a community organizer mm -hmm. so i i was doing destination imagination oh, um yeah. so i'd have groups of kids that came to like on sundays for example every Sunday we'd have like 15 families that would come and we'd have this giant potluck dinner um, and with all these, we had six different destination imagination teams in my house all creating and making and my house was a complete disaster. Um, uh, and then we'd have this big break in the middle where we'd, you know, put the fire pit on and the kids would be jumping on the trampoline or playing, um, uh, you know, different games in the backyard. And as parents, we'd all talk. And we just really, it, the, the parent community really became, we, we just became really tight. And we just really liked each other. And our kids were growing up next to each other. And all the siblings were interacting together. Um, sort of more like cousins, I guess, than, um, you know, it was just, we were just very close. So I was thinking, maybe I can broaden that community feeling that we had and make a giant makerspace because I couldn't fit any more destination imagination teams in my house to start with. And wouldn't it be amazing if everybody got an opportunity to do this? And as parents, we became pretty competent at creating learning experiences that our children loved. And um, I thought if we could put all of our resources in the middle and all help each other, and then the kids would have enough time to play and all these different things, then you know, our homeschooling life would be would be wonderful. So that's really was my impetus for making workspace education. Um, so that was I, I don't know if you how much you know about it, but it was a thirty two thousand square foot giant makerspace, sort of yeah. a giant red barn with an industrial uh, <laughs> piece on the back of it. Um, we had an uh, industrial kitchen in the middle and a big hub and then we had science labs and performing arts like a performing arts center and cardboard manufacturing all these different ways that wow. humans express themselves um, and it was really just set up so we could do any project we could 
you know, we could make up any class we wanted. We could get any educator to come in and do anything. Um, and we'll just use that space as like a, almost like instead of a tennis club, it's an education club for the families who are members. That is so cool. And did, so you funded it through a, a membership model or did you get grants yeah. or how did you do uh, that? Yeah. So um, it's weird. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I self-funded it, right? But the building wasn't very expensive. It'd been sitting there for two years and it was like 95% perfect to move in into. Um, it was the cheapest real estate I could find at $56 per square foot. And if for anyone who's been building recently, you'd know that <laughs> that is extremely inexpensive real estate. So I was thinking, wow, you know, you so many of the sites that I thought would be good for this kind of thing, like, you know, we wanted to go into an old sawmill at the beginning because it, it was such a cool <laughs> building. And I thought it'd be, you know, be really interesting to meet there. But, you know, there's brown soil usually associated with an industrial building. Um, or there's no, you know, uh, really poor infrastructure. So you, you're spending millions of dollars before you get in. But this um, this building was uh, owned by Cannondale Bicycles and they had set it up with 150 cubicles. So we had fiber optic cable and we had an alarm system. We had all these systems already in place so that it was pretty much just, we, we moved in in five months and we opened in five months from buying the building. Um, and the building, you know, considering the size, and it was on five acres and on a lake and next to this beautiful, pristine forest, um, surrounded by makers because we were in a business park. It was just, I, I just, I looked at it and I thought, if I, if I can do it here, I could do it anywhere, right? I mean, like, I, this is the perfect location for what I wanted to do. I could see it walking through. I could see the kids doing everything in all the different spaces. And I'm just like... If I'm going to take the idea to the next level, I can get this building and I can go bold. And I thought, I'm just going to do it. That's amazing. So <laughs> it sounds so ideal. It sounds, yeah, it sounds uh, just incredible. And so people, so adults and the family could work there, like people who were maybe freelancers mm -hmm. or people who were geographically what do they call that geographically independent? And so they yeah. could um, they could work there and then their children would be doing projects and self-directing and choosing what they wanted to work on. Yes. It was like um, you know, the the top creative companies in the in the country, they that's how they set them up. Like so that you're walking through a place and you bump into someone, you start a conversation and oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know? And I want to create that environment in a in a space. And, you know, by being before COVID, we had 140 classes and courses on our schedule. So we had a lot of stuff going on that people were putting together. Um, and then if they didn't want to put it together, they'd find an educator and then ask the community if they wanted to jump in. And then you can sort of go around and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing a class on this. Do you think your kids might be interested? And then if you had enough kids, you could easily sort of organize that class for the next session. And um, that's kind of just it happened very very organically and um, and I think when you're trying to make something that's like I would call it a, a complex adaptive system like a living system yeah you can't you can't really steer it so much you, you just sort of like you're observing and you're tweaking <laughs> you know it has to self-manage itself yeah um 
and we just had to make the conditions ripe for creativity and and for this kind of uh, collaboration and um, it sort of took on a life of of its own and everyone is it was still really going it's still going except that um, so when COVID hit uh, I was approached by two nonprofits who are actually providing educational services to you know to two counties in Connecticut um, they were really interested in getting the building um, they they were very interested in accommodating the community members who wanted to be in the building. Um, we had about half the community that wanted to be in the building, another half of them wanted didn't want to be exposed to COVID. So it was it was quite. I mean, as far as uh, keeping everything going financially, it was a little challenging. You know, knowing how to navigate this time. Um, also, we had quite a few people who didn't want to wear masks, and uh, yeah. there was just quite a lot of unrest I mean now of course in hindsight everyone's probably okay with the mask but um, you know at the time I just thought well this is an opportunity for the community to now take over rather than you know I started I launched it I showed people the way um, we've got these two nonprofits who, who are going to buy the building so that's the the biggest burden for families and then they they are on the board and are allowed to operate in the building so it's still going um, you know, just not under my leadership. Mm. Um, and then yeah. you made so, a drastic move from Connecticut <laughs> out to Montana. Tell us more yeah. about that. Well, so um, my husband sold his business and he's always wanted to, he grew up in Madagascar and he grew up, you know, with, on, a, on land and he really wanted to get back to the land. Um, so when he sold his business, we, we suddenly found ourselves able to be in the position to acquire some land. Um, and he found this really beautiful track, you know, uh, he loves fishing. So he's got a little bit of this fly fishing river and um, we want to do regenerative agriculture. Well, he wants to do regenerative agriculture. So it just really seemed like, okay, if I can, um, recreate workspace in a virtual format um so we have the same dynamics you know the same walking through and you're bumping into people and and, um, we, and i can basically design a space with all those things that i would have loved to have had in the physical space at workspace but you know i couldn't build on another room or whatever <laughs> um I, I i would be able to design this in a virtual world and have it so that people across the country no matter where they were could join and I could offer services to um, to families at a tenth of the cost because I don't have the building, and I can probably do ten times the value because now I I've got you know I, I have a virtual team which is much less expensive, mm -hmm. um, and you know I have all these collaborations now with nonprofits and different companies that want to work with with us in the sky. So um, so I decided to design basically my dream world for teens. I'm just doing it for teens because on this platform, we can only have 13, 13 children, 13 and up right now on that, on that platform. And I thought, okay, we're going to stick with teens because that's what we legally can do. And we're going to go deep dive into Gen Z and, and what their needs are. <laughs> um, we made um, a coaching program, an advisory and a coaching program to support them because when you look at the statistics, 27% percent of Gen Zers 
um, are, you know, are looking for sort of mental health interventions or, or um, similar, a lot of anxiety out there, um, you know, also um, if you look at the statistics, I'd say that the Gen Zers are the loneliest, loneliest generation. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, if this is online, right, and we can be a little bit like in the Hunger Games, like you got Professor Snow up the top and he's <laughs> looking down in this world, right? And we do surveys and we do these advisories and we get a lot of intel about who's who the, who the kids are. And then we can kind of social engineer opportunities. It's sort of like a positive Facebook. We're not marketing, right? Mm -hmm. What we're doing is like this one really loves I don't know, mechanical engineering, right? Um, and so does this one over here. Let's see if we can engineer an experience that they'll both want to go to so they can meet and start working out if they're good for each other as friends, right? Mm. Um, so we're doing, a, we're, we're trying to help um, other or teens meet each other and then find uh, other teens who are doing stuff that they really love as well so they can go out and do projects together. Um, so rather than trying to make everyone be really good friends, we want them to really discover who they are as a as a teen and, and then really intentionally design who would be a really good person for them. What kind of person are they really looking for? Because I feel like if you want to conquer loneliness, you just really need one great friend. Yeah. Right? Someone who's got your back, who you can do things with, who you can study with who when you go on to in, into the world, you're like, okay, my person's there. You can meet with regularly and, you know, develop bonds and friendships that way. So um, so our first session, our, we call them seasons. So in our full season, we have three-month seasons. You get a season pass if you want to join. Um, our advisories um, are going to be based on the book by Radha Agraval called Belong. And it's really teaching them about how to belong into a community. What kind of community do you want to belong in? Um, and just to to be really intentional about who you're hanging out with and what you're doing and, and why you're doing that. Um, and teaching them how to be a really good friend. Because, wow. you know, I don't remember people teaching me that, right? And that would have been a great life skill. I see yeah. that with parents too. There's a lot of parents out there who, you know, who don't necessarily have really good friends. Yeah. Um, and now, especially now in COVID, we're we're away from family and um, a little more isolated. So, um, so we're doing that in our first session, and then we move on to soft skills. Uh, then we're doing work habits. We're using Atomic Habits as our book for that. Um, we have a side by side parent community, and then we're just filling up, you know, a catalog of of different classes and experiences that we that all the different kinds of educators that we're working with um, want to be offering these teens. Um, an example, uh, Quantum Camp is one of our education providers, and they do great math and science classes, and they they um, they integrate hi the history of the ideas in these subjects and the the human discoveries that led us up to this point. Um, so they they're not just siloed classes; they're very interesting, uh, you know, experiences. <laughs> um, a little. You know, some uh, like around financial literacy. We've got some. We've got a shaman that's joining in, and she's doing shadow work with oh. um, with the older teenagers. So wow. uh, there's a lot of different things. So yeah. a lot of. If you want to do algebra one, you can do algebra one. Um, 
want to do shamanic journeying, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, any parent can actually teach. Um, you know, you can have multiple parents get together to teach a course together. We can do emergent learning. We, I mean, you can really um, put in all those things um, designed around what the children are asking for and their interests. Um, and then, of course, we have um, some collaborations with, like, um, Arizona State University, and they can do dual enrollment classes too. But, you know, learners can pick anything from anywhere. I mean, they could do their math on Khan Academy, like at Acton, or they could, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's really up to the parents. And then we have that support network to help parents, um, you know, choose the best life ever or the best pathway forward for their teens. Um, and we also have this great thing. Um, we have 30-minute check-ins. We have wayfinding for teens as well. And that's designed. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. We have, we have the lily pad building, and that's all about um, them um, plotting out their, lily, their little journey on lily pads. <laughs> it's not going to be straight. Nothing humans do is ever in a straight line. Um, and then they check in with their coach, their wayfinding coach, um, you know, once a week. And it's basically a reflection on, okay, so what did you do? To get you know to work on your lily pads yeah. um and then you know to, to just keep designing that pathway because we've also learned that them just starting something and going in a direction taking action steps builds their motivation over time mm -hmm. so if you're if you're trying to help your team um develop drive drive really just means going in a direction it from what it will how i observe it um, and then just building that confidence and confidence as they go along these little pathways um, and developing that toolkit that they can apply in any direction. So they learn how to learn anything, you know, really well. Wow, that is amazing. I, I just, wow, like my mind is blown. There's so many, uh, you're just like ringing all my bells right now. Um, and with both workspace education and your your past history with being a project-based homeschooler and then also with what you've created now, it's just, wow, it's incredible. So I, I saw on the video um, mm -hmm. about it that it's not, it's not necessarily to take the place of regular school, but can it take the place of regular school? Well, absolutely. So, so one of the things that I've have a problem with is that, you know, people can get you know, a little judgy about how other homeschoolers do things, right? So yes, they can. <laughs> I want to have, have an unschooler, right, side by side with someone who's doing a really traditional tra track, but they're in their advisory and they're talking about belonging. So it's not about their academic pathway. It's about right. who they are, right, and what they care about, right, and how they want to go out and fully and authentically express themselves in the world. I don't want it to be a, a you know, this academic competition that, you know, school is really around. So we are not a school. I mean, we don't give transcripts. However, we do have vetted educational providers that can give you a transcript. Uh, but what this is about, what we're looking at is the whole human, right? And we really understand that this human is not a little isolated number, right? It's not an individual, but part nested in a family, right? With a particular set of values. And that family is nested in a little community and you know, larger and larger circles. So much more of a regenerative approach to education as opposed to um, a competitive um, traditional approach, I would say. Right, right. Wow. And are, are, I, wow, I have so many things I want to ask you. Um, 
so we're making good humans. Yeah, yes. that, of course. That's amazing. And serving so many people that want this and don't even know they want it, but want it. Um, so I keep thinking, right, also being in this space of kind of innovative education and doing something different of like where, you know, like where are we going? Like, what's this all going to look like? How are, how is life and our, our children's years and development and futures and careers and everything going to look? And, um, and I, you know, I think we, like, we can't ignore the, the in-person, you know, aspect, like I get it. I have friends that I never see and that I talk to online and on the phone and on WhatsApp. Um, and my kids have friends through Minecraft and synthesis and stuff like that. And that they don't ever see in person, but there's something also about that physical connection that is just really, really important. So looking at kind of, if, I was talking to Chrisman Frank, who is the CEO of Synthesis School, and he was saying, talking kind of about this future model where you learn your academics online, but then you have real world experiences that are kind yeah, of exactly. developing your body and, and your, mm -hmm. your in-person social skills and things like that. Like, right. I don't know, can you just like jam a little bit on what yeah, you think about all that? that? This is what has been in my mind too. Like, you know, because at the beginning you think, you know, I, I got this giant space and I'm like telling everyone, yeah, you come every day and we're going to meet and it's going to be like school, right? But the actual, an actual family doesn't want to meet every day. They, two to three days with other people is plenty, right? We all like some time at home and get the washing done and yeah. <laughs> and kids need, kids need time, right, where they're quiet too, they don't have any distractions, right, where they can really apply themselves to the things that they want to dig deep in or write a story or, you know, you don't want to be social all the time. So um, I, I think, and over time I've seen it play out so many times, and especially now, there are things you can do online really well, right, right? and there's things that you can mm -hmm. do in person really well. And as far as the space is concerned, like if, if my, when my daughter wanted to do um you know, when she wanted to go on to Broadway, it would be better for her to obviously not do that online, right? But to no. go to a place that's really specializes in that, right? And they've got everything set up and the right teachers and the connections and the network. And that's an in-person place. So I think she should be in there doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Algebra 1, you could pretty much do anywhere. I mean, you could, <laughs> you could, uh, you, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Algebra 1 courses out there in, in, in every kind of way. Um, or if you don't, you know, and you could get a tutor to do it. You could do it online. You could do it in person. You know, it feels right now that it's a waste of resources to drive anywhere to go and do Algebra 1 now after having the COVID experience, right? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, the tools are getting much, much better interactively in, you know, online classroom delivery. Um, and getting so much more affordable. I mean, I was I was on Chegg the other day. No, was it wise? No, yeah. So <laughs> I've been like doing a bit of research in different ways that you can do things now because it's technology is increasing at such a, you know, a rate that mm -hmm. you know you can you can have some, you know the homework the AI homework person who as soon as you've got a question you, the AI can jump in and help you when you get stuck. Um, so you, you don't really need to have an in person instructor anymore um, and then you can find an instructor in pretty much 
anything um, for a whole range of different prices and some very, very reasonable, it seems to me. Um, and that's a very efficient way to, you know, to, to make quite a lot of progress quickly. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't think, I just don't believe in monocultures. I don't believe in right. all school. Right. I don't believe in all in person. I don't believe in all online, right? I believe in intentionally custom crafting a pathway based on who you are and how you learn, what makes you happy, what brings you joy in your learning. Um, and, you know, are you having enough meaningful exchanges with humans and seeing what humans do and these sort of things, right? Um, are you out in the real world? You know, not all the time, but doing a couple of things that are really making you feel connected with the earth that we're living in and, and you know, what a human's doing on um, and having to make those decisions, getting them early, making these decisions about these pathways means that, you know, by the time they go to college, they're going to be able to make the most of the world would actually be their oyster, right? Yeah. <laughs> They'll have the confidence to, to tackle anything um, and make the most of every resource at the university that will be at their fingertips if they choose to go to college. So, yeah, I mean, each pathway is different for everyone, which is why we called um, our research and development company 100 Roads, because there's so many different ways to get to where you want to go. I love that. I love that. Is your school open to um, people living outside of the United States? Not your school, but is Workspace Sky Teens open? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's open for everyone, but it's okay. really designed. Well, I mean, when we set it up, we thought coast to coast, because um, really we're we're looking at a only around 200 well we could, we probably could have up to 500 teens on there but like at the beginning because this is you know we're just really starting out we're probably going to limit it to 200 so we thought that you know we have a much bigger market now because we're now virtual but mm. saying that we did have a group um from england who wants to join uh, so they're like, well, the timing's perfect for uh, sort of after the school, they could do their work at home and then they can jump in um, and then do sort of the second half of the um, of the day in the sky because we're, we're open 12 hours. It's a co-working space. Ah. Yeah, it's hosted a little bit like a cruise, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, you get your uh -huh. little email or you get your little thing under the door and it says, okay, at 9 o'clock this is going to happen, at 10 o'clock this is going to happen. Um, and we have two times during the um, during the day where everybody meets. It, it's optional, but they can all meet. And we have guest speakers, career exploration. Uh, we have wellness classes, our advisories, of course. Um, we have makering. We do clubs. Um, yeah, just a lot of different things. Um, and we have an operation and events team that are that are organizing and putting all these things on. That's fantastic. So I, think, I think it's going to be fun. And mm -hmm. how has it, you haven't opened yet? When do you open? September 7th. Oh, yeah, we just actually got our website up. Yeah, it's just coming up. We just opened enrollment last week. So, um, oh, yeah. Are you full? <laughs> uh, no, not full yet, but uh, we will be full. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah, um, great. $350 a season for three months. Um, That's a great price. So we give it. Yeah, $200 discount if you sign up for three seasons. And then we're planning to do really cool in-person things during the summer. Um, oh, tell me more. Where? Well, like I, on the ranch, we have um, on our ranch here, we have like 17 horses, for example. And we have 
uh, we have a person who runs the stables and her husband is actually in Alaska right now doing adventure trips on horseback. And we're like, oh my gosh, we should be doing these really great things for our teenagers as well. Um, really interesting in-person experiences. So I'm really looking to partner with people who are doing very cool stuff mm -hmm. um, and then inviting teens to participate um, in that. So we're not really education providers or we, I mean, we could be, but we've decided that we're going to source the best stuff that we can find nationally. Mm -hmm. Right. And then just offer the smorgasbord to our teenagers. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, my children are 12 and 10. So my son mm -hmm. will be 13 in November. So I hope there's space for him. I would love to sign him <laughs> up. Um, we're way down here in El Salvador. And we, mm -hmm. you know, I originally started our school because I wanted the same things that, that you were talking about. I became mm -hmm. disillusioned with regular school and my children mm -hmm. were these like bright, creative kids and wanted to build things and break things and explode things. And then uh, school, they just started, you know, like this, just falling asleep um, in school. They were so bored. So took them out, started doing project-based homeschooling. And then I was like, I need more people. So I started my yeah. school and I wanted, I mean, you, what you created is like, I think, you know, my greatest fantasy that I never dared even think of, but it's so yeah. great that you did and that you made it. So we made like a mini version of what you did and mm -hmm. out of our Acton Academy and we have a Montessori preschool mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, um, no, that's great. Yeah. So it's been really, really fun. Um, but in some ways it, it hasn't like, it hasn't become as creative and community minded of a space that as I wanted it to be, I don't know if it's mm -hmm me or the culture or just time and energy constraints or the focus of, you know, academic, I don't know. It just, it just, it hasn't gotten there yet. So, um, mm -hmm. and we need a bigger space and things like that. But anyway, so just to hear you talk is like very inspiring. So thank you very much. It's well, I've really had wonderful, great. wonderful things about your, your school and oh, I love academic Academy. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I really do. I, do. I really feel like the the program really develops agency. And when I talk to any child who's actually gone through, you know, acting for a number of years, I'm always super impressed. Um, it's like talking to little adults. Yes, <laughs> you know, for sure. Yeah, they have so much accountability, right? And they really take responsibility for their education. And I, I you know, I definitely don't see it nearly as much in public school children yeah. and um that they're also very kind and they're very um because i think the socratic piece and acton really helps them develop empathy and understanding for each other so thank it's you. a very special school and um i'm really glad you made that choice because thank you awesome. yeah and and i think our kids <laughs> are very much themselves they mm -hmm. they we noticed we we went to a um we always tell the story that we, our kids entered some digital videos into a competition at a local school and, mm -hmm. and, and we won. And so they, when they got up there and they won, they were just jumping up and down screaming like maniacs because they were so excited and they were, they had, no one had ever kind of given them the message to tamp it down, you know? And then the other children that won that were from like a conventional school, they were just like, you know, very meek and very like embarrassed. And so we just saw right there, like, 
we made the right choice because our kids don't feel mm-hmm. embarrassed to be expressing themselves. And that was, uh, that's mm-hmm. something else I really appreciate about, pre- appreciate about Acton because it like preserves the natural personality of the child. Right. And we're so diverse as humans, right? Aren't we? So, yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was create a, my child to be a conformist. Yes. Conformist thinking, conformist doing, right? I wanted them to do that. Feeling or pretending to feel. Right. Yeah. Right. Because there's such, we, I mean, we're only bringing, like, I only have two, two children. Yeah, me too. And that's so different, right? And they have such beautiful little essences that we've always, we nurtured, we nurtured them as, you know, when they were little, <laughs> their little personalities. And the last thing I wanted to do was to, to witness from the sidelines, my child's personality being squashed because it wasn't this, or them feeling like, you know, I'm not smart enough in this area, or that their interests aren't important, and those sort of things. So, um, I, I did just saying that I, I did try and put my child back into a Montessori uh-huh. when he was 12. Yeah. He really needed kids, a middle school, and. And I thought, well, it would be so much easier for me if I didn't have to build a school. It would be yes. so much easier. It's a like place if already someone else right? built the school. Yeah. yeah. So I put him back and it was a beautiful little school with 19 teenagers. And, you know, I loved the leadership. I loved the teachers. It was a beautiful space, very Montessori and perfect. Um, but I found that he was now working for other people, not for himself. Right, it just seemed to suck his agency out of him. And and how and did you so, so how did you solve the social problem? Like you said, it's because he needed more people at twelve. Yeah. But where? Yeah. So what did you do? Because I'm in the same position with my kids, and it's so hard. I don't yeah. know what to do. Well, I think yeah. That so my problem was my daughter went to college, and then it was just me and my son at home if I was going to be homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Oh, because your daughter's older. He, Yes, he's older. Yeah. Ah, okay. And so he also, you know, was playing Minecraft. So he had friends all over the, I don't know who he was playing Minecraft with, but it started becoming, oh, I want to play Fortnite. I want to do this. I want you like all these other games, right? And I'm like, well, dude, you have to do away from the friends that he was craving so much, you know, and he was meeting them in online games mm-hmm. to pull him off to do all the time. I just didn't want to have those battles. I didn't want to have that relationship. So I thought, well, I'll just put him into the Montessori school and, see how we go with that <laughs> you know before computer games would become a little bit addictive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, before we got to that point um you know because i see that a lot in kids too i have to say that you know there are a lot of children if they don't have a they're so addictive and they want the social so much that it's really hard for them not to be uh, spending too many hours in front of the screen but um I just thought that that if I created workspace, there'd be all these people walking around and all these humans, and he would have like 50 to 100 little conversations with humans, so he wouldn't get lonely, right? He'd be exposed to all this stuff that was going on. He could choose his classes, and he could literally develop that agency. And And also, he wouldn't be confined to his age group. He could hang out with older ones, with younger ones with 77 year old chess player over there or whatever, right? And he would feel feel like he had somewhere where he belonged and was sort of part of this community. Um, yeah, you know, they, they want to be around teenagers. So you have to, 
you have yeah. to find a community yeah. or do theater or you have to, or a sports team or somewhere where they're going to get that that really that feeling of belonging and they need to have you know a couple of one even one good study buddy or friend or project partner yeah thank you so much for that so um, so I've had I've had you on for quite some time, and I know you just got back from traveling, so I want to let you go. Yes. But yeah, uh, please answer our final question that I always ask: is if you could compare mm -hmm. what your you know workspace education and work workspace sky teens with conventional school using a metaphor, what would that metaphor be? Metaphor. <laughs> well, you know, I I'm going metaphor i think we have children in the wild <laughs> yeah. in, in a sense we're allowing them to be in their natural habitat and really fully and authentically expressing themselves rather than adapting to the zoo yeah i love it <laughs> right that's great that's how i feel about it like at the end of the childhood they would have grown into the the you know the the son or daughter that you actually gave birth to Right, and they're they're here because they have, there is a uh, there is a way that they're going to contribute to the world. Yes. Right, and uh, we want them to be confident and competent to do that, and to really know to explore enough to know what, you know, what that thing is. Right, where that intersection of what they care about, what they like to do, where their talents are, um, where they get joy. Right, we want them mm -hmm. to discover that. So that actually when they go to out into the world and when they go to, you know, further learning places that, you know, they'll have a direction, they'll be motivated, they'll know how to find resources, they will already have mentors uh, and people to, you know, to help them jump multiple lily pads on their journey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we want that for them. And I, I just fear that in a school environment, in the, in the four walls and the conformist thinking, and you have to do it this way, right they're not going to be able to explore that um and also socially you know when you obviously you know when you have 300 of the same age people competing yeah. right it's going to bring out the worst traits right in people mm -hmm. and socially for for my children i think even survival skills might have to you know and coping mechanisms have to be developed to cope with the intense social competition and pressure that they're under so mm -hmm. I just, and I don't think it's necessary anymore. If it was really necessary to get the learning, that's one thing, but you can go to community college. You can do dual enrollment classes in high school. You can get an associate's degree before you finish, right? And there are so many different ways to learn anything, right? Yeah. I think it's really important for them to understand that they don't have to be a pawn of an institution, mm -hmm. right? And they learn that by developing their confidence and competence. That is really their agency. And they need to practice doing that and making these decisions so they're not, they're not victims of a system and they don't get stuck. Yeah, I agree. And that they don't have to spend a lot of their time unlearning a lot of those bad habits that they develop mm -hmm. and, 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 and un yeah. unsatisfying or inauthentic ways of relating to the world and other people that later, I think a lot of us spend time like having to 
go to therapy and like relearn how to do those things and unlearn old habits and reestablish new habits and ways of relating. And if you never learn those bad things, then you, you, yeah. you have more time to work on what brings right. you joy. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and we're not, I don't like kids having to constantly be getting the approval, yeah. constantly looking for the approval of other adults. Right? I want right. them to be challenging themselves. Um, yes. There's a lot of things uh, I'm, that are not ideal about school. But, you know, every, for some kids it really works too. So, like, I, mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, you know as a parent your children the best, right? Yeah. And you see where they thrive, right? So I think you inherently know and you have to trust yourself as a parent um, and, and really um, put yourself in the role as a child coach, like, as your child's coach and advocate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as soon as they, they're very easy to, to take care of when they become very competent, right? Yes, <laughs> when you for don't sure. have to do stuff anymore. Right? But they have to develop those skills. So at the beginning, it is, you know, it is challenging, but it really is very, it does pay off, I think, so. And did you, yeah. did your children ever sort of, uh, fantasize about going to a regular public you know like my daughter watches glee and she's like i want to go to public yeah. school yeah. i'm so like well know. it's not exactly like that but we have so many anecdotes of people going back for one week uh, right? they, yeah. they want to be with peers that's like yes it's like this is where the kids are of course they want to experience that right yeah. and they don't want to be the homeschooler or the odd one out right uh -huh. they have that and I think my my daughter was actually happy to be in college where she wasn't a homeschooler anymore. She was like a college person like everyone else. Yeah. Um, because, you know, some people do have uh, the wrong impression, actually, pretty much. You, there's probably the wrong impression of what homeschooling is like now. Um, yeah. So, what? Well, yeah, mine didn't ever go back in. My, my son would doesn't want to touch it with a barge pole. My, my daughter... <laughs> was curious, but I think also she wanted to meet boys, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's sort of where there's a lot of boys there, you know, Yes. <laughs> and we had a pretty small pool as a, you know, as a um, homeschooler in our area, because a lot of teens do go back to conventional school. Um, and, you know, I wanted to create a space where we had enough uh, pool because we had enough teens that other teens would want to come to. And I think that's what Workspace Guy is going to be. It's, it's going to be a mecca for teens and it's going to be a launch pad to get them out into the real world, doing the in-person stuff, but having a meeting place where they can have that consistent friend group uh, that's, and that's, find people in their passions, right? And wonderful. have a coach. Yeah, that's wonderful. I've been thinking about, because my, my kids, because I started, uh, most Acton owners, they start their school for their kids. But then mm -hmm. the bulk of the students don't come until a couple of years in when it's established. So our kids are like those pioneers in the, in the front that don't have mm -hmm. a lot of peers because the bulk of the students come behind them. Yeah. So, so I kind of now have this idea that Blake Bowles gave me of creating these in-person experiences with the mm -hmm. different yeah. Actons or with your kids or, you know, what at Workspace. Mm -hmm. Teen, sky teens or whatever that we find these fun experiences and we have them all get together and go at different times of the year mm -hmm. or that they can rotate yeah. around to different actons and be together you know so we tried mm -hmm. to do a virtual well, we did do a virtual collab during uh 
the pandemic, which I know is continuing, but we did it with Venice Beach, California and St. Charles, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And so they all had like a virtual group, but my kids are Mm -hmm. still like, I want in-person people, you know, obviously. So it's a challenge, but it's worth it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to look back and be really, um, just feel very, very grateful that you've given them that experience and, um, and they've also seen what it takes to actually create an enterprise, you know, through you, right? Yeah. And I think that's what my son, my my children, you know, basically witnessed me, you know, working 100 hours a week to try actually, you know, as a, <laughs> make something like this, this bold happen, right? And even like with Workspace Sky, I now have a team of 20. Like, wow. you know, we have psychotherapists and, you know, obviously um, I designed it based on Montessori philosophy and um, international baccalaureate and, um self-actualization like I've got all these things and it's all built on sacred geometry with all these things that have embedded into it and it was the the most beautiful thing to create because you know Montessori said we want to give teens the world right and when I was designing workspace education I'm thinking how can I put the world in this building you know and I thought maybe I have to be in the town and I'll have the library and I'd you know do all these I I was thinking of all these different configurations but now in the virtual space, and I want to encourage anyone listening to build their own of what I've just done, um, you can completely design this thing in your head. And you can you can actually make it in a virtual place. You can make buildings. You can design the buildings. Like we have this whole center called Project U. And we've got um, Dr. Chris Unger from Northeastern coming in to do our mentoring program. I've got the lily pad wayfinding building. I've got this epistemology building where it's find your truth. And you do, and you know, we have a career exploration. We have all these sort of different places, and they can just walk around. We've got a beautiful river that goes through it. Little picnic tables. They can sit on the lawn. It's just the most beautiful little place to design. And you know, I could design it based around all those things. I think that will delight teens. And where I'd want to be if I was a teen, or if I just joined a university to explore the whole place, I want right. them to be explored. So. What it's may a, I ask? Mm-hmm. What platform you're using, or did you design it? No, Custom. no, we use no because like everything I do, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit of a Walmart shopper in the sense that um, I want everyone to be able to do what I've done. I mean, I I realized they couldn't have bought that big building, and that's been a problem in our within the training that I've done, because all the founders come in, they really want to do it, but it's too much to have to do the you know have that financial worry of the building. Um, so I've been thinking about how could we replicate this in a really low cost format? So the most important thing is to have a community. Mm-hmm. You have to have a community really before you build. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, otherwise you're gonna have like dead megaspace yeah. <laughs> situation. Um, so community is really the most important thing. And so how do you build that community and how do you, and that's what we've been really focusing on in Workspace Guy because we want them to feel They've got, you know, they're in a community and they have their dorm and their locker and they've got all these little things that they're going to really want to feel like they belong. So rather than design a platform, I wanted to design one at the beginning. Clearly, it'd be lovely to have your own platform um, because I wanted all children to be able to be on it, not just 13 plus, And we're limited by what the platform will allow. So we're using GatherTown, but we're not doing it in the way that GatherTown is creating um, spaces. 
um, which is much more like a, I don't know if you've played Among Us. Oh, Have yeah. Played Among Us? Yes, yeah. And you look down like a bird's eye view on a, uh-huh. on the area. We have a more immersive. You're inside. View. Yeah, so you feel a little bit more like you're inside. And then we have all these nature scapes. So you can portal all around the place, but you can go into this beautiful beach, you know, by a lake and you can walk on the beach and you can climb up in the mountains and, and deposit your little reflections about whatever you're doing in the class. Um, and also with um, the classes, you don't actually have to be inside a building. You could just be on the map somewhere mm. and you could be walking around. Like you could say, okay, we're going to meet on the grass over here and then we're going to walk over here. We're going to portal through here. We're going to be in the laws of the universe. And then we're going to go upstairs onto the roof in, at the workspace sky building. And we're going to sit there and have a, uh, sorry, a Socratic discussion. Um, and then while you're walking there, they could be in pairs talking about you know, answering the question so that when they get to the space, then they can have that discussion. So it's not like they're sitting there on a Zoom call. They are walking around and having discussions, right. um, exploring as they go. Um, and it's just sort of a different way to deliver an online experience. And Kat, how, what is your personal creativity process for coming up with this are you like it just in the shower and you're like ah I see it and then you like sketch it are you do you have like giant whiteboards are you a journaler what do you do yeah yeah. (laughs) giant pieces of paper right um and then um so for me like I have like people who really inspired me like obviously Montessori we talked about that uh John Silly Brown uh he talks about pragmatic imagination um, and how that we need to keep this as a superpower for our kids. You know, they come in, if you're a Montessori, and you'd know that, um, you know, in elementary that that your imagination is a superpower. And somehow in our conformist, the conformity of school, we lose that um, that belief in ourselves about our imagination, right? We, 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 we dumb that down to the point where we can't even imagine our futures. And if we're going to be creating the world we want to live in, we need them to be standing on the precipice of the future and looking out into the world and saying, okay, this doesn't exist and this needs to exist and how do I do it, right? So we want, you know, we want, that's what we want to be doing. Um, um, and uh, I said that because I really like John Silly Brown. He also talks about communities of practice and how we need to be getting kids finding, like if they're passionate about woodwork, they need to find the local woodworking group and get into the periphery of that and see how they can join that and watch and watch humans doing that work to really see if that's what they want to be doing and finding that the the building their social capital so they can actually really participate and discover if that's their thing or not and if it's not then they try something else right but um how do we how do we bridge that how do we get them to those places um because they can think they like something, but until they actually do it, they they might not know. So we want to get them out doing projects and experiencing these kinds of things. Um, I also love Christopher Alexander, who's an architect, and he talks about how to create uh, ex- uh, places that enhance human experience. So we're trying to create a place that's really alive, that when you're in it, you are actually creating memories, and we want them to have a lot of positive experience memories and experiences by being in a place. We want them to have a lot of joy. And we don't think people are getting a lot of joy from, you know, the average Zoom call class, Zoom, you know, that they're getting. And 
um, they're getting turned off being in the online space. But for me, I feel like no one's really researching and seeing what's possible between a Zoom call and the in-person experiences. So what I'm doing at 100 Roads is really looking at infrastructure of how we can make enhanced human experiences, you know, that deliver um, education in a really interesting way that keeps them stimulated and wanting them coming back for more. So a lot of novelty, surprise, delight, a um, lot of human, a lot of conversations. Um, I love that you're saying that about anchoring memories and experiences in a physical space. It's kind of like when you're reading a book, like when we had physical, when we when we read physical books, I can remember things by like where they are, like how deep in the book right. and what side of what page. And it helps me mm -hmm. anchor my learning. Whereas on a Kindle, I, I have less retention. Maybe, maybe right. children don't feel that way, but I do because I grew up with physical books. Um, and so, mm -hmm. but I think there's something to that. And I can remember conversations based on where I was, whereas in a Zoom right. call, I don't have those anchors. Um, so I love that, that you're doing that. That's, that's amazing. Do you, how, how are you like so prolific all the time? I mean, you just went to a conference, you just moved out to Montana. Yeah. You're, you know, it sounds like you just never sleep and you're just constantly learning and reading and creating, yeah. but do you also have kind of a, a wintering or like a downtime where you let those ideas, you know, that you rest in order I to create? I know it's hard to rest when you're about to launch something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my but husband's like, oh, projects. my God. <laughs> I just got you back and now you're like launching this other thing. And I'm like, well, I have to because it, the world needs that right now. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and we have to see if this works. So everyone's running away from online learning, but I think we should be, this is where it's going because it's a lot cheaper and you can disrupt it. I mean, this is, this is where the disruption is going to happen. It's not right. going to happen. In, a, in you know, because it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, having done workspace, I saw the shortfalls of how to operate like that. And, yeah. and, and now, I mean, now I have a global talent pool to, you know, to help do this and I can do it affordably. And, you know, I'm sleeping now and I have people around the world who are working while I'm sleeping, which is like, it's like having a superpower as a creator. You just, <laughs> it is so great to have, um, you know, to, to having a team who can actually make your idea manifest for you. Um, but also like, and this has been a nice challenge for me is I'm into regenerative ed education, which is developing people. And I'm like, okay, I've got this young, staff who've never done this before we're using new technology i've completely redesigned workspace education and up upgraded it from what it was when we were on the ground right so i'm teaching all of these tools and techniques to this new staff who's in, who didn't have any experience with them and i am tooling them so they could create anything like they are they are right now creating workspace guide teams but after this they could be deployed to make another one for you know in Australia or they could, you know, this is just how to learn something really well, right? And how to operate as a team, all the things we want our teams to get, how to be part of an agile adaptive team, right? And to make the most, be the most resourceful you can, how to be, how to push your boundaries and be creative and find creative solutions, all these things. 
Um, we want this for our teens too. And the staff is learning how to do it as we do this. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be in the front lines with our teens as well. And we want to be, you know, helping the teens upskill. So we're all growing and learning and evolving through this process, this constant recreation of ourselves in these new roles. And I just think it's it's very exciting that we can be, that we're actually alive at this time where, you know, we have so much at our disposal. Um, we just don't need to be limited by the conventional ways that we've done things in the past anymore. So I want I want to be providing what these teens are going to need to go out in the workforce. I've just been to this edtech conference, mm. right, with the 200 most innovative edtech companies, and you know we we're founders. We sit there and we talk about you know the kinds of staff that we need in the future and the you know uh, what's helping, what isn't, and all these things. I'm and I'm just thinking we create you know we need a different way of doing education. So we're developing these kinds of people, right, and I think that's what that's what Workspace Teens is all about, and I think it's going to be you know we're early days, of course. I mean, this is this is still an idea like floating around like in February, right? So we've <laughs> it, it's been a lot to put together between uh, February and now, but um, you know I think we we work on the principle and we do this with teens as well, is that we just make a little improvement every day, mm -hmm. all of us in our company. One percent so, every day, yeah. Yeah, so if it's all of us doing that, you know, That's everybody's amazing. working towards that. And I think that with teens too, I mean, if they're constantly, you know, upskilling every day, improving their, you know, their skills, but also their self-awareness and then working on their next lily pad so they're going in a direction, there is no way that they can't be moving forward in the right direction. It just, yeah, they're going to make progress. Definitely. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all that amazingness with us. Um, it is really exciting and slightly overwhelming. And um, yeah, you're really inspiring. Well, I know I've gone over time. I'm sorry. No, you not at all. I felt bad. I felt bad, like keeping you on for a long time. But then, but, but so thank you so much for, for the abundance of all your ideas and everything. I really have seen things in a whole nother way from talking to you. And I really, I love that you said, because we feel like we have to choose between real world or online and that online can just never be as high fidelity as like the real world. But I see how you're trying to bring them closer and I never thought about it like that so thank you that's that's really given me something to think about and uh, well it's such a yeah. pleasure to finally get to meet you <laughs> likewise likewise and I I'm going to be on Michael on when school's not working at the end of okay. August too so awesome yeah, yeah so we're all kind of and I've interviewed Matt on mm -hmm. here and also Mike Michael Strong so we're all like in the okay. same the same fan club. Yeah, um, and I have um, Vritti, do, do you know Vritti Saraf yet? I do not. She started K20 Educators, which is a really awesome universe for educators to oh. get together to share all the cool stuff that they're doing. Um, she just, she did a, like a conference on Twitter space. She did the first ed educational conference on Twitter space. Cool. And I don't, she had like 257,000 views. Like it wow. was, it was crazy. Yeah, she's That's got amazing. like, I don't know, like 58,000 followers on Clubhouse. And I, I just think it's, I've been in her network. She's got a mighty network. 
and she's basic, basically right now putting together a platform for these educators. Um, but I've just, I was at the conference with her and we, she's, she's also making a metaverse. She's making the metaverse, like the eduverse. She's wow. making a gather town for educators. And I'm, you know, obviously I have a gather town for our teens, but we may, we may get together and, and build the, the eduverse platform. I like it. Because it's just, just because why not, right? I think the world needs that. Definitely. Our, our kids deserve that. Yeah. Definitely. Wow, so, that's yeah, really cool. Maybe have her on too. She'd be a good person to have on. Fantastic. Yeah, and she's one of the yeah, she's one of the up and coming edtech um companies and I think you know she's gonna do great work in the future. Oh, so much good stuff going on. Definitely, yes. So cool. I spoke to Victoria Ransom a couple of weeks ago too mm -hmm. from Prism and Prisma and uh and yeah. she was also another brilliant woman just doing amazing things. And I learned so much from her. So, um, good. Yeah. Good. Great. Yeah, well, I'm thank so you. It's been so thank wonderful you. to have you. Thank you for everything. And I'm sure our audience feels very inspired and encouraged about the future and has lots of great ideas. And, um, tell us the URL of workspace sky team yeah, so they can go check it out. Yeah. So it's www.workspaceteens.org. Okay, fantastic. And if they want to make one, if they want to make their own, if they get inspired, like uh -huh. there'd be nothing I, you know, I would love for other people to make these things, right? Because you're creating like a, a space that's going to be more and more physical-like. It's very inexpensive. It's free if you have under 25 kids. Um, and I do workshops every month free workshops, three-hour workshops to help oh, you design wow. your space from scratch. So you might have some kids. Uh, you might want to do one in El Salvador. You can just come to a workshop and, you know, I'll show you how I did Workspace Guy and then you can you can get going um, on your vision. Definitely. Oh, how do I sign up for that on Workspace um, Guy Teens? Yeah, it's actually on Workspace Guy Teens. It's like, do you want to make one of these? Okay. Okay. Good. I'll go. <laughs> yeah, just and then you can just register. It's, it's on, um, I think we start on the zoom call and then we go into the Miro. I don't know if you've used Miro boards before, but it's a, I find them a fantastic tool. It's like a, it's like a whiteboard with post-it notes and arrows and all sorts of things. So you can actually basically design out what you want to create. Uh -huh. And, um, once you've designed it, then, you know, after, you know, it, it, I'm finding that, you know, a lot of these founders, they have all these, ideas but you know we we I use that session to really narrow it down and they basically design it with post-it notes and arrows and I want this and I want this and then they've got this blueprint for building it and then they can do their little first version of what they want to do and then they can always elaborate and it'll get the wheels turning about you know the whole the big picture of what they want to do so it's kind of a fun thing and you leave with like okay I know what I want to do and I think and that's hard because <laughs> and then the process of building it in gather town like do you need special uh technical skills to do that do you need a developer no, or is it kind of really. like minecraft like no, you no, 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 no. no no this is this is why i picked gather town it's the easiest platform to to build on because it's got it's got um you need to make a background <laughs> like a, and it could be a photograph right just a photo um or you know you just need some kind of landscape in the back because the little characters, they walk around the landscape. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to put a building in, you just pop on a building and then you put a little door, right? And then your little character can go into the building. And once they're in the building, 
that at the door, they portal inside it. And so then you make an interior. So now they're in somewhere. Uh -huh. Right. And then yeah. when they're in an interior, you make little, you put little tables and chairs, all the furniture is already done for you. Um, and you can make a Socratic circle. You could make an Acton Academy classroom. You could make the school of your dreams. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> um, you can make breakout rooms from that. Ah, right? And cool. then you can yeah. make a playground. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to add this to this. And I'm going to add this. And all of a sudden, you've got a world and your teens can actually design and build it. And you can just sort of facilitate it as well. So they can create their own place where all the other Acton Academies can meet you. That's where you could do your virtual gatherings. And just an idea. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to do it. <laughs> sure. oh, I know. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> Let, let's create the metaverse that we want to see out there, right? Yeah. I'm going to do it for action. That's so cool. You just gave me the best idea. Yeah. Let's get the kids doing it. Yeah. It'll be fun. That way they'll, they'll have enough teenagers so they're not lonely and they'll yes. find enough people in their passions and those sort of things. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And they, they're already doing it in Minecraft. This will be so easy for this generation. They're digital natives. They, they, they do it just with a, you know. Like this, yeah. Not with the finger. Definitely. They do. They do. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. you're so great. I've enjoyed speaking with you. I hope that our paths cross in real life. Maybe my kids will come out and ride your horses one day soon. Thanks for listening to the New Schools Podcast. Tell a friend. Previous episodes and show notes, including any books or websites our guests recommend, can be found at thenewschools.com. If you're a parent who is looking for a new school for your family, send us a message. We would love to help. We can answer questions, share the resources we have, and help you get in touch with people in your area who are on the same path, determined to provide their kids with the best education. It's wildly important work. Thank you for doing it. And we'll see you next time.